Persuasion by Jane Austen, Volume 2, Chapter 1. Previously on Persuasion, we have finished all of Volume 1, and in Volume 1, what we learned was that we met Anne Elliot and her family, her father and her older and younger sister, um, and all of her family are pretty awful. Um, and then we met Lady Russell, who we've only met briefly, who is seen as kind of her only friend, but even Lady Russell doesn't seem the best, in my opinion. Lady Russell helped to persuade Anne to get herself unengaged from Captain Wentworth eight years ago when we start the story. And we can tell that Anne is still in love with him and now regrets that she did that, that she was persuaded. Though she doesn't blame Lady Russell for it. Whatever. Um, and then we follow Anne as her family has fallen on hard times and has to rent out their country estate. Her, ol her older sister and her father go to Bath, but she stays behind with her younger married sister at a nearby house. And then their home is let out to, of all people, Captain Wentworth's sister and her husband. And then Captain Wentworth himself comes into the country and she meets him again. And they have a few mostly awkward interactions. They don't really talk at all. They kind of avoid each other. It seems that Captain Wentworth is now um, courting uh, courting one of the Musgrove sisters, which is um, Anne's sister-in-law's. So her younger sister is married to their brother. And so she's spending a lot of time with him, but he's paying all of his attention to the Miss Musgrove. Um, and then specifically to Louisa Musgrove, and everybody thinks that he's courting her. And then they go to Lyme on a little like seaside like overnight trip and to see some of Captain Wentworth's Navy friends. They meet Captain Harville and his wife and then Captain Benwick. And Anne actually becomes kind of friendly with Captain Benwick and it's actually really nice to see somebody actually be nice to her and like talk to her and be friendly to her. <sighs> Sigh. Um, but the big drama that happens in Lyme is that Louisa Musgrove decides to be very headstrong is the way that it's kind of put that she um, has become very determined to get her own way and she decides to jump have Captain Wentworth jump her down is what they're calling it I'm assuming that he's like like he's she's jumping into his arms or something um, so she does it once off the wall and it's successful and she's fine and then she had so much fun that she runs up the stairs and she's going to do it again and she goes a little too quickly. Captain Wentworth isn't ready. And she falls and hits her head on the stone. And um, is essentially in a coma state at that point. Um, it's very dramatic. Very un-Jane Austen in most of the other cases. I can't think of another book that has something like this in it. Like a serious injury. A few illnesses, but not like injury. At least not that I can remember at the moment. Um, if I'm wrong, let me know. Um... So she has this head injury. They take her back to the Harville's house. And um, then Captain Wentworth takes her older sister, Henrietta, and Anne back to Uppercross, where her parents are, to let them know what's happened. 
And then Anne stays around at Uppercross. Apparently she's going to stay with the parents and Henrietta and Captain Wentworth goes back to um, Lyme to see what's going on with Louisa. And that is where volume one ends with Louisa still basically in a coma. Um, and Anne back at Uppercross with her with Louisa's parents while Louisa is um, being cared for by the Harvilles at their home in Lyme. Everything's still very much up in the air and very dramatic, very cliffhanger of an ending for the first volume. Um, when you were, if you were reading this back when it was first published and had to go like then get the second book to find out what happened next, it is a very cliffhangery type of ending to land on. And now we get into volume two. All right, so chapter one starts off with Anne um, still at Uppercross, and it says that she's only going to be there for two more days. And she stays that stays with them at the mansion house, not the cottage where her sister Mary lives, and has the satisfaction of knowing herself entirely or extremely useful there, which is very Anne. She likes to be useful, and I think she also likes to be appreciated. So I, I get the impression, especially the way they're talking about how she has the satisfaction of knowing herself extremely useful, kind of thinking that she is also very useful at home, but her actual, like, blood family are not appreciative. They very much take her for granted and all she does for granted. And you see that with um, when they left back in Volume 1, when they were getting ready, ready to leave the house. They had all sorts of things for Anne to do to get the house ready to be um, rented to the new renters and, like, saying goodbye to all the people in the neighborhood and all of this. And so they gave Anne a lot to do, and were and especially Elizabeth, these were things that Elizabeth, her older sister, as like mistress of the house, should have been doing. And she just required Anne to do it like Anne was her servant. And she also just was not thankful or grateful or appreciative at all of all that Anne was doing for her. She just kind of expected it to be done, of course, because she was, you know, the wonderful Elizabeth. I don't know. Um, so it's nice to see... And I think we're seeing here the difference here that the Musgroves are also, you know, Anne's also helping the Musgroves the ways that she helps around at home. But the Musgroves are at least very appreciative of it and notice that she's doing it and are, you know, letting her know that they appreciate it, which makes a big difference. Um, so they hear more about um, what's going on from Lyme and saying that nothing new had happened. First when they get their first note in the morning, then Charles comes home, her older brother, Louise's older brother, Anne's brother-in-law, um, comes home a few little a few hours later and he says he's able to bring a little bit more information that it's not going to be a speedy cure, but he's tolerably cheerful um, and everything was going on as well as the nature of the case admitted. And he's very, um, he has some glowing praise for the Harvilles and how great Mrs. Harville has been as a nurse and how she really left nothing for Mary to do. Um, and I think kind of reading between the lines, it's a very good thing that Mrs. Harville is such a good nurse and left nothing for Mary to do because Mary would have done nothing anyway. So it seems like Louisa is good, in good hands, in the good hands of Mrs. Harville and not her sister-in-law who is not the best hands for her. 
And it seems instead that Mary has been kind of hysterical and needed to be, like, kept entertained and away from the patient, as opposed to being any help at all, which is why they wanted Anne to stay and not Mary, but, you know, Mary will be Mary. <laughs> There's just no getting around that. And then, so Charles had come to give them all this information, and then he's going back to Lyme that same afternoon. And at first his father's going to go with him, but then they talk him into not going, and instead they send um, their nursery maid, who had taken care of all the children when they were little, and their youngest child is now out of the nursery and off to school. And so she doesn't have much to do, so she's very excited to go help nurse Miss Louisa. Um, so Charles rents a carriage and takes the nurse back to Lyme with him, the nursemaid. And then the next day, Charles Hayter, who is the um, almost betrothed to Henrietta and their cousin, um, goes to Lyme himself to get some more information about Louisa. And he comes back with an account that is, was still encouraging. The intervals of sense and consciousness were believed to be stronger. Every report agreed and Captain Wentworth's appearing fixed in line. So it's interesting what he, or at least what Anne took away from Charles Hayter said. We don't really get the exact words that Charles Hayter comes back and says, but what Anne gets from them is that Louisa's doing better. She's becoming, um, she's becoming stronger. She's got more, she's being, she's awake more. She's not like in a coma anymore. And that Captain Wentworth is going to stay there with her and is quite fixed in line. And that's like the important information to her is that he's staying. Which makes sense because she is still in love with him. Then it comes about that Anne is supposed to be leaving Uppercross to go stay with Lady Russell. And it sounds like everyone at Uppercross... They're saying, what should they do without her? They were wretched comforters for one another. And so they are saying they don't want her to go. And Anne kind of works the situation, gets everybody in gear, because it turns out that they all want to go to Lyme, obviously, to see Louisa. So she gets them all, like, together, and they're going to go. The rest of the party that's still at Upper Cross, which would be at least Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove and Henrietta, um... I think that's pretty much it. They're all going to go stay in Lyme and they'll get rooms at the inn or whatever. And then they'll be there to help either nurse Louisa if that's needed or to help the Harvilles in whatever way they can. Like maybe taking care of the Harville's children or something like that. But they will be better off going to Lyme and being there until Louisa can be moved and brought home herself. And so they, she, so Anne helps them get all together and out of the, out the door. So she's the last one left excepting the little boys at the cottage so except for mary and charles's children her little her two little boys that's like four and two years old those poor kids have been left alone with just the servants which i mean they have a nanny or whatever i'm sure a nursemaid whatever they call it so i mean they have their primary caregiver there but it's a very interesting take like look into like child rearing for wealthy people at the time that it's not seen as a big deal at all that now so, I mean, leaving your kids overnight with a babysitter is still not probably all that common, but probably not the biggest deal in the world. But the idea that Charles and Mary are leaving their kids with just the servants for an extended period of time now, because it's been at least a couple nights 
I would assume now. I, the timeline's a little murky. So they were originally there for going to just stay overnight. But now it's been at least another day or two. Well, no, because Anne came back on the sec uh, after one night. And then she was only going to stay two more days. And this is now her last day. So it's been like three nights. I don't know. I just, the idea that they're not, that they're fine just leaving their kids with, with like a nanny or whatever for an extended period of time just kind of on a whim just seems odd to me and I think is maybe a little bit show telling of how children were raised at the time at least by wealthy families who could afford like nannies and whatnot um it reminds me of a story I heard about Jane Austen herself that like when she was first born she was you know raised by a neighbor family until she was like four or five because like babies are difficult to deal with I don't know um but I don't know if that was completely common but that's a story I'd heard about Jane Austen I don't I don't have any reference for that and I'm not an expert so I might be wrong but that is what I heard somewhere I can't remember where I heard that um but the idea like currently like in a modern sense of like sending your kid away until they're like old enough to be rational or whatever is so weird um but I'm wondering if that's kind of the attitude here, that they're only two and four, so they're not real people yet. Such a strange attitude towards kids. Um, but that's kind of jumping out at me, that those two are the the only ones left at Upper Cross now that the family, the rest of the family's all gone, and now Anne is going to leave as well. And now she's looking at the house and kind of feeling all melancholy about how sad it is, how quiet it is, how much... How the life is all gone from it and thinking about Louisa and that if she recovered all would be well again more than former happiness would be restored there could not be a doubt to her mind there was none of what would follow her recovery and what she's thinking of there I'm assuming is that Louisa's going to get married to Captain Wentworth and there so that's the more than former happiness and there was no doubt of what would follow her recovery is that marriage. And how these rooms that are now occupied by her silent, pensive self might be filled again with all that was happy and gay, all that was glowing and bright and prosperous love, all that was most unlike Anne Elliot. It's like, oh, poor Anne. So she's like kind of walking around imagining that Captain Wentworth and Louisa are going to get married and seeing them in these rooms being happy together and kind of making herself depressed even more. But it's again an insight into her mind that she is sure that Captain Wentworth is marrying Louisa, which I still do not buy, but that is what Anne thinks is happening here. So she's just kind of waiting around. She says she has an hour of complete leisure for such reflections before the carriage from La before Lady Russell's carriage comes to get her. And even though she's happy to leave, she's a little bit sad. She's a little melancholy looking around the house and she's got kind of these lingering thoughts about this is basically this is where I saw him again. This is where I saw Captain Wentworth again and we were almost friendly again and we you know we're getting let's see um some breathings of friendship and reconciliation which could never be looked for again and which could never cease to be dear she left it all behind her all but the recollection that such things had been so she's just kind of this is you know upper cross is the house where she mostly saw captain wentworth 
And so she's just remembering the fact that she got to see him again and how they were on semi-friendly terms. Um, and that makes her happy, but sad at the same time. And thinking that she'll never be able to like see him on such terms again. Because again, she's thinking that by the time she sees him again, he'll probably be married. Um, and she's assuming she's going to have to, you know, congratulate him on his wedding to Louisa Musgrove and how painful that's going to be. But she takes Lady Russell's carriage back to Kellynch, um, and because Lady Russell lives in like a, the Kellynch Lodge, which is right near, um, in the same little area on the same, I, I don't know, on the land of the um, Kellynch estate where she had formerly lived, where the Crofts now are renting, and she meets Lady Russell again. And Lady Russell also comments on her looking better, like looking more plump, improved in plumpness and looks. Um, so, I mean, again, we're seeing that just apparently being around Captain Wentworth at all makes Anne look better. Or they were saying something about her being in the sea, the sea air helped her look better or something. Maybe she's in the plumpness and so maybe she's eating better. I don't know. But everybody agrees that Anne looks better now. And Lady Russell brought it up too. And she's had the amusement of connecting them to the silent admiration of her cousin and hoping that she was to be blessed with a second spring of youth and beauty. So there were all those comments towards the beginning of the book about how altered Anne looked and how she was looking so old and haggard and thin. And now she's looking plumper and better somehow. Um, why exactly? Other than like she went to the seaside for a day. I don't know. But everybody seems to agree that she looks better. So good for Anne. Um, and then we get kind of the, uh, the same thing in reverse as what happened when Anne first went to Uppercross, where all the things that they were talking about of, you know, having to rent out the house and the problems with her family and everything, which were all that anyone could think about before she left Kellynch, nobody cared about when she got to Uppercross. And now we're kind of seeing the same thing in reverse, where now that's all Lady Russell wants to talk about, and Anne is having to, like, pretend to be interested because she's kind of completely moved on and over to what the Musgroves are talking about, which is Louisa and what's happening in Lyme and all of that is much more on her mind. And of course, Captain Wentworth as well, but that she also doesn't want to talk to Lady Russell about. Um, and so having Lady Russell wants to talk about the family and the plate and their home that they have taken in Bath and how she's upset that Mrs. Clay is still there. And da 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 and Anne is having to be, it says, Anne would have been ashamed to have it known how much more she was thinking of Lyme and Louisa Musgrove and all her acquaintance there. How much more interesting to her was the home and the friendship of the Harvilles and Captain Benwick than her own father's house in Camden Place or her own sister's intimacy with Mrs. Clay. She was actually forced to exert herself to meet Lady Russell with anything like the appearance of equal solicitude on topics which had by nature the first claim on her. And so again, we're seeing here that I think pointing out that her own family shows she's thinking, well, I should be more interested in my family, my father and my sister and all that. But they're not very <laughs> kind to her. And so honestly, the concerns of Uppercross, they are her in-laws, but they are very kind to her. The Harvilles and Captain Benwick were very friendly and nice to her in a way that nobody in her own family really has been. 
And so I think it makes perfect sense that she's much more interested in them than her family who doesn't care about her at all. And so it's hard for her to make that switch back with Lady Russell to talking and thinking about her own like blood relatives as opposed to the people who are actually treating her like family. And then there was some awkwardness when they're talking about the accident at Lyme because she has to bring up Captain Wentworth's name. And Anne is still like trying to hide her consciousness of him and that she's still in love with him. And it says Lady Russell just had to think about it for a minute and wish them happy and just had to be composed and wish them happy and not talk about it. And then we get an interesting sentence, I think. This is from Lady Russell. So Lady Russell had only to listen composedly and wish them happy. But internally, her heart reveled in angry pleasure, in pleased contempt, that the man who at 23 had seemed to understand somewhat the value of an Anne Elliot should, eight years afterwards, be charmed by a Louisa Musgrove. So just those words there, angry pleasure, um, pleased contempt, it feels very, I don't know, villainousy to me. Um, it's not something that I think you'd see in, like, Anne or our good characters of Jane Austen. It's an indication to me that maybe Lady Russell isn't. Um, I've already been, like, saying that I don't like Lady Russell. This is another indication to me that she might be kind of a villain of the piece a bit. Um, that she is so... But also she's just... I think it's more that she's, like, proving that she was right. So Lady Russell is thinking that, see, eight years later, he likes Louisa Musgrove, so he didn't really ever love Anne. And it says that who at 23 had seemed to understand the value of Anne Elliot. So she's trying, she's kind of going through with, well, see, I was right. He's not good enough for her um, and contemptuous of him. So it shows a little bit of what she thinks of Louisa. She doesn't think Louisa is anywhere near as good as Anne Elliot whether that's on personality or just um, the fact that they are lower socially, unknown, although I would tend to go with the social climbing aspect because that seems to be near and dear to Lady Russell's heart. But just this, yeah, the, those words, the pleased contempt, angry pleasure uh, at kind of knowing her, at, like I think proving herself correct that, Captain Wentworth was not worthy of Anne, and you can tell he wasn't a worthy man. Now, she was thinking he wasn't worthy because he's not rich and he's not, doesn't have a high enough social status. Um, and now he's rich, but he still doesn't have the social status that Anne does. Um, and proving that, see, I was still correct, he's not, he doesn't have the gentility or whatever, because look at him going after Louisa Musgrove, who's so much lower than Anne. Um, yeah, it's just a very, I just, I don't know, that really, that paragraph really struck me of looking at Lady Russell's thoughts, of being in Lady Russell's head for a minute and seeing how she has to see that Anne still loves him and that Anne is still sad about it. They've talked about it, I think. And, and still she's like looking back at herself and like, and saying like, good, I'm glad he likes Louisa now. That proves he's not good enough for Anne and like... I don't know, it's just, it feels very gross to me. I don't like it. And I still don't like Lady Russell. So they spend a few days very quietly, other than getting a note or two from Lyme, 
And here's another interesting thing, which Anne, which found their way to Anne, and she could not tell how, and brought a rather improving account of Louisa. So I'm guessing this means they didn't come through, like, the mail, the post, or whatever, so she doesn't know how they got delivered to the house. We'll find out later in this chapter how they got delivered, to, or at least how one got delivered to the house. And then they decide that they have to go call on Mrs. Croft, and Lady Russell is very upset about it. Again, with that whole um, society, um, social class system and stuff, Lady Russell, I'm pretty sure, would be considered, well, with the whole lady thing, is above a mere Mrs. Croft. And she feels the injustice of having the house rented out to another family who's of lower status and having to go see them and whatever. So she's upset, um, doesn't want to go, but Anne is actually pretty happy to go because she likes the Crofts and she's met them. Um, and she said she had a very high opinion of the Crofts. And here's another thing that we're looking into Anne's head here. She felt that however, Anne felt that however sorry and ashamed for the necessity of the removal of her family, she could not but in conscience feel that they were gone who deserved not to stay, and that the Kellynch Hall had passed into better hands than its owners. So here's an interesting play here that we're seeing a difference in the way that Lady Russell and Anne think, and also I think in the way it's almost kind of social commentary put forth by Jane Austen, which she puts forth quite a bit, it seems to me, in various novels. But this again, this idea that is very subversive from, from the social mores of the time, at least my understanding of them. It was very well considered for a lot of the time in this, in this time in history that like rich people are rich because they are morally superior. They, you know, like God put you in your place in the like kind of the class system because of what because of how like good or bad of a person you were and so you shouldn't question it or try to change it and you know the higher classes are higher class because they are morally and morally superior better people and so this is sort of subversive in saying that these that the admiral and mrs croft who are socially lower than sir walter elliot are actually better at taking care of Kellynch Hall and better at being um, a good example for the parish um, and better at giving the poor the best attention and relief. So she, you know, in taking over Kellynch Hall, they're taking over all the duties of like the landowner of Kellynch, including helping the poor people, working with the parish and the clergymen and all of that. And Anne feels like they are better suited to it than her own father was, um, than her own family has been. And it's painful for her to think that. So it says, these convictions must unquestionably have their own pain. And severe was its kind, but they precluded that pain which Lady Russell would suffer in entering the house again and returning through the well-known apartments. So the the idea that these rent that the um tenants now the crofts are actually a better at taking care of the house and the tenants and everything than than her own family has been means that Anne doesn't suffer in the same way that Lady Russell does because we're now getting the implication that Lady Russell holds to I think the standard thought process of the time that higher status means better people and that these are kind of low class people because they are 
the Admiral and Mrs. Croft are in this weird social status place where they would have been much lower when they were younger and less poor or less rich, more poor. And um, because he, the Admiral was in the Navy and has rose up, he has rose up socially through that as well. And that's something that actually Sir Walter was lamenting towards the beginning of the book, that the Navy was one of those places where people could change their status and how bad that was and how he didn't like that about the Navy. Um, and I, I would assume that Lady Russell sort of is in agreement on that sort of thing because I think Lady Russell seems to be the type of person who would be. And we're seeing that Anne doesn't feel that way. She is not of that in that place where she believes that people are better simply because they have a higher class. Um, and she's admitting that these lower class people, Mrs. Croft and Admiral Croft, are, are better for the house, are better people at taking care of this stuff than her own father has been, even though he has a title and therefore is higher class. And so I think it's an interesting dichotomy to see how Lady Russell and Anne are approaching this. And it also is showing a difference in the way Anne is thinking. Um, in that I think at the beginning of the book, we would have seen Anne be more agreeable to what Lady Russell is saying and more like in of one mind with Lady Russell. And I think the separation from Lady Russell and spending time with the upper class family and seeing some of the um, Catherine Wentworth Navy friends, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a change in her in that she is not as ready to agree with Lady Russell on these sorts of things as I think she might have been a few months ago when the book started. Um, Anyway, that stands out to me. So they go and see the Crofts. And we also get another thing of why Anne likes the Crofts, because she says, Mrs. Crofts always met her with a kindness which gave her the pleasure of fancying herself a favorite. Um, and so again, we're seeing this thing where Anne is just is starving for affection and attention. And the Crofts are nice to her, which again, her family is not. So she likes the Crofts. They talk about the, um, so they go to see them. They talk about the incident at Lyme and it fi and she finds out that Captain Wentworth had actually been in Kellynch yesterday and he's the one who brought that note. She didn't know where it was from. So she finds out that he had actually stopped by the house and handed over the note. And so they're talking about that and Mrs. Croft tells her that he had inquired after her and she found particularly had expressed his hope of Miss Elliot's not being the worse for her exertions and had spoken of those exertions as great. This was handsome, and gave her more pleasure than almost anything else could have done. So he asked his sister about her, he praises her and the efforts that she took, um, and how good she was in a crisis, probably, and I think this is, I am reading this to say again that he is even sort of admitting to himself that he is still in love with Anne now. Um, and I really don't believe that he has any serious interest in Louisa, but we're still going to have to get with everyone else thinking that he's going to marry Louisa with all the attention he's paid. I, 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 something's going to have to happen to get him out of that relationship. I'm, I'm just sure that something will happen. Um, I'm glad it wasn't that Louisa died because that would have been ridiculous. So I'm glad that she seems to be recovering. I am confident that she will recover. Um, but Still, something's got to happen to separate them. Uh, honestly, Louisa's going to have to marry somebody else. 
I think. Um, we're going to have to figure that out because she can't have Captain Wentworth. <laughs> um, so they're talking about it and it's interest, and it says that as to the sad catastrophe itself, it could be canvassed only in one style by a couple of steady, sensible women whose judgments had to work on ascertained events. And it was perfectly decided that it had been the consequence of much thoughtlessness and much imprudence. And its effects were almost most alarming and that it was frightful to think how long Miss Musgrove's recovery might yet be doubtful and how liable she would still remain to suffer from the concussion hereafter. Um, so they kind of are, and I think correctly sort of blaming Louisa Musgrove for being um, thoughtless and basically reckless in her running around and, you know, jumping off the ledge before she knew that um, Captain Wentworth was ready to catch her. Um, and then the Admiral makes a joke about saying that it's a very bad business, a new sort of way this for a young fellow to be making love by breaking his mistress's head. Um, and then they talk about how he his saying those sorts of things were um, not quite of the tone to suit Lady Russell, but they delighted Anne. <laughs> Again, we're seeing this kind of separation between Lady Russell and Anne, which I can only think is a good thing because I don't like Lady Russell, as I've said many times. So the idea that they are kind of growing apart a bit, and especially in the way that they're reacting to things, um, I really enjoy. So we're seeing this difference again, that, the, that Lady Russell doesn't think that Admiral Croft has good enough manners, and he's a little too brusque and says things that aren't quite socially appropriate. And Anne thinks that's great. They delighted Anne. His goodness of heart and simplicity of character were irresistible. So she's liking that kind of honesty and just, I think we're seeing that difference there that like Anne is very happy to meet some people who are not playing the game with her, meaning like they're not saying one thing and meaning another, being sly, being fake. She's really seems to enjoy being around people who are just honest and real and open, which is again, a very strong difference from her own family. Then they talk a little bit about the house itself and the Admiral remembers that this used to be Anne's home and how this must be kind of hard for her. And they talk about, oh, he has a great line. He said, one man's ways may be as good as another's, but we all like our own best, which very good, Admiral. That's, that's probably very true. Like, does it really matter where we keep the salt shaker? Probably not, but I'm going to like where I choose to keep it better. You know, I'm just, my mind goes directly to like how you keep things in your kitchen and I am very picky about where I keep things in my kitchen I like my stuff where I like it and you know you might find a more another place that could be just as good as a place to keep your plates but I like the place where I keep my plates yeah so we all like our own best and that's just so true we all like our own way of doing things best and then they talk he talks a little bit of what they've done to the house um, saying that they did something to the laundry door that they've already told you about and said it was great, which I think shows the difference between the Crofts and the Elliots, because I'm sure Sir Walter or Miss Elizabeth Elliot would have been much too high and mighty to worry themselves about the laundry door. That's why they've never bothered with an improvement on that. And then um, he talks about, the Admiral talks about his dressing room, which used to be Sir Walter's dressing room. And how he had to send away some of the large looking glasses from my dressing room. 
So he had to send away the mirrors. So he's saying that there were so many mirrors. He says about Sir Walter, a very good man and very much the gentleman, I am sure. But I should think, Miss Elliot, looking with serious reflection, I should think he must be rather a dressy man for his time of life. Such a number of looking glasses. Oh, Lord, there was no getting away from oneself. So I got Sophie to lend me a hand and we soon shifted their quarters. So <laughs> he's actually saying that Sir Walter had so many mirrors in his room that he couldn't deal with it. Like you couldn't get away from oneself. Which I think is just a fun commentary on Sir Walter. Like, I, it completely makes sense to me that he has a room just full of mirrors to stare at himself from every direction. Um, <laughs> but the Admiral is not that kind of man and had to get rid of them. But it also shows us a little bit about what, you know, what kind of man the Admiral is and what kind of woman his wife is. Because I'm assuming Sophie must be his wife. Mrs. I think that, because I think we know her name is Sophia. So, um, Sophie's his wife, Mrs. Croft. So he is the type of man who, even though he lives in this mansion now with, you know, lots and lots of servants who would, you know, Sir Walter, if he wanted to get rid of the mirrors, obviously would not lift a finger to do it himself. He would just tell his servants to do it. But the Admiral is the type of man who just calls his wife over to help him and they move out the, and they move the mirrors out themselves. Um... So, and then Anne was amused in spite of herself. And I, what I take to me why she's amused in spite of herself is because this is funny and this is great commentary on Sir Walter. But, you know, especially in this time period, this whole respect for your parents thing is very, very big. So you're not supposed to laugh at your parents' expense. And so, um, um, so she doesn't know how to answer in any way that would be polite, but she's amused by it. But she doesn't can't figure out what to say, and the admiral thinking that she's not answering means that she's sort of fearing that he might not have been civil enough. Keeps going and says, you know, is being very complimentary of the house, and saying that it's the best house in the area, and blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> the admiral's very funny. I enjoy him. Then we learn about Lady Russell and Mrs. Croft. They're well pleased with each other, but they're not going to be able to um, have much of an acquaintance because the Crofts are going to leave soon. They're going to go visit family in the north of the county, or it says connections. I'm assuming that's family. I don't know. And probably might not be at home again before Lady Russell would be removing to Bath. So they had this one meeting, or two meetings, because they, they really talk about that when they go to visit them at Kellynch or at the main house, but then they return. It's when they were cross return the call that we learn that they're going to go visit their family in the North of the County. And, um, they're not going to be back before Lady Russell leaves to go to Bath. So that seems to be kind of the end of it. And this chapter ends with, so ended all danger to Anne of meeting Captain Wentworth at Kellynch Hall or of seeing him in company with her friend. Everything was safe enough. And she smiled over the many anxious feelings she had wasted on the subject. So because the Crofts are leaving and Anne is going with Lady Russell to Bath. So she's not going to see the Crofts again either. So they and, you know, Captain Wentworth is so far stuck staying in Lyme and will not obviously be coming back to Kellynch if his brother and sister aren't there. So she won't have to see him again and she was very much I think dreading saying seeing him in company with her friend so she really didn't want to see Captain Wentworth with Lady Russell around for I think pretty obvious reasons 
So she's happy to not have to deal with seeing him while Lady Russell is in the area. So that is helpful to her. Um, and she's, I think, kind of at this point putting a little sort of, just, I don't know, tying a bow on the end of the relationship with Captain Wentworth. She has decided that he is to marry Louisa Musgrove and she won't see him again probably before the marriage. And she's given him up and she's admitted she still loves him, but she's completely given it up and is trying to move on with her life and be happy enough. And we have, you know, this is just chapter one of the second volume. So we have 11 chapters to go, and I refuse to believe that that is what's going to happen. So what I want, I'm still looking forward to happening, is for freaking Captain Wentworth and Anne Elliot to have a real conversation, because we've gotten through half this novel, a little over half now, if I'm, I'm a volume and a chapter in, to a two-volume two novel, and... They have yet to have a conversation. They don't talk to each other. I mean, I guess that would slow down. That would make the books way too quick if they just, you know, in chapter two or three or whenever, when we met Captain Wentworth to begin with, if they just, you know, chatted. We're like, hey, we still love each other. Great. Okay, end of book. That wouldn't be helpful. So no, that's not going to happen. But I'm still waiting for them to have like an actual conversation with each other. That would be nice. Um, And then... I'm still wondering what's going on with Louisa because like I've been saying, there's no way Louisa ends up with Captain Wentworth. That cannot happen. But the author, I mean, the book has made it pretty clear that they're very entwined. Like everyone thinks that they're going to get married. And so at least my reading of books from this time period. And if we're going to say that Captain Wentworth is a good person, especially like when you consider things like sense and sensibility, how Edward was stuck with Lucy, even though he didn't want her anymore. Um, I, even though there's not an official engagement, the fact that everyone thinks there will be is enough to, I think, tie Captain Wentworth to Louisa because he's a good person and would feel like the necessity of it. So, I don't think he actually wants to marry Louisa, but I think he's gotten in a little over his head. And I think something's going to need to happen to kind of free him from Louisa. Um, I'm not sure what that will be, because at first I was thinking, when we first had the head injury, I was kind of thinking, like, are they really going to kill Louisa off to get him, her out of the way? But no, Jane Austen did not do that, which I'm glad about. Um, it seems like Louisa's going to be fine. But... Um, Something still has to happen to get her sort of, whether that's maybe because she, maybe she's going to be fine, but she is so sickly that she can't even think of getting married right now. Or I don't know. Something's got to happen for Louisa to still be kind of out of the picture and ca leave Captain Wentworth free to pursue Anne now. Um, and also like be free to come to Bath because we've finally gotten to the part where I think we're going to Bath soon. With, or Anne is anyway. And I'm assuming that Captain Wentworth is going to have to somehow follow her to Bath. So that they can see each other again because obviously they end up together that's just how this works so <laughs> we have to figure out how that happens Louisa has to be getting out of the way and Anne and Captain Wentworth still need to actually just talk to each other but that's where we end chapter one I'll be back next time with chapter two